Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. There was this thing that I was supposed to be doing, that there was this, um, it was almost like a voice, even from an early age, that said that there was a significant thing that I was supposed to do with my life. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living and making great art. Is it possible? That's what I'm trying to figure out on this show and share what I'm learning. We want to thank our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Without further ado, let's jump into the show. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, so, hey guys, I have been away for a week. I've been at Icon, the illustration conference. It was phenomenal. I hung out with many, many, many friends, many heroes of the uh, illustration and design world, and it was just a great time. I actually banked lots of great interviews with some fantastic people, and yeah, it was just amazing. And probably the best part was getting to hang out with a bunch of the podcast listeners. That was just really, really great. And it was awesome to put some faces to uh, the names and I just hear how you guys are interacting with the podcast, what it what it's doing for you, what you're getting out of it. And it was just like incredibly encouraging and uh Thank you for hanging out with me. It was great meeting you. Um, I had such a good time. Now, today, what I want to talk to you guys about is 
this idea uh, about finding your creative path. So if you didn't know, I recently did a Creative Mornings in Louisville. I did a talk um, and there's a video online and you guys have been just like tremendously uh, encouraging about it. it. You know, I had the best time ever doing that talk seriously is like one of my all-time favorite experiences and uh it's right now it's been like the top trending talk on creative morning so i want to thank you guys for uh sharing it and supporting it and watching it and all that good stuff it's just been super awesome if you search andy j miller uh creative mornings that talk should come up on youtube and you can go check that out um the idea of the talk is just that that, uh, that I kind of think that creative people are in this exodus moment outside of the margins. Like creative people, I think, are going from the margins into the mainstream, into business, uh, kind of being, being able to be regular members of society and bring value there. But I think we're actually stuck in this desert period where you know, in between art and business, between the the margins and the mainstream. And I think, you know, the good news is that I think businesses really know that they need creativity. The bad news is I'm not sure they know how to recognize creativity, how to uh, develop it and how to really use it um, to its full potential. And I think there's a lot of lost in translation that's happening there. And so if you're a creative person and you feel kind of out of place, if you feel like um, the way I talk about it in the talk is feeling like a penguin in a pigeon's world, like everybody around you is just soaring with ease, everything, uh, all the normal things are just easy for everybody else and hard for you, uh, I suggest you go t go uh, listen to that talk, go watch the talk um, and check that out. So what I want to do on the monologue episodes over the next couple of weeks is take each point and not reiterate them. So not, I'm not going to go into the things that I talk, in, uh, talk about in the talk, but I want to take each of my three points and dive way deeper because I have so much more to say on those topics that I didn't get to say. And uh, so... That's what we're going to do. So today is the first one, which is about finding your creative path, uh, which is kind of both internal and external. It's about finding uh, those internal talents, skills, things that you have inside of you that, that are needed in the world, and then finding the place in the world where those things are going to thrive and uh, kick some butts. Um, and so today... That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about how do you get into that place where you're really soaring? How do you find those things in you that are truly special? Not a little bit special, not like kind of the thing you should be doing, but how do you get right into the center of that perfect place that says, the great, really different, unique, magic kind of supernatural things that you have in you, how do you find where those go in the world? Uh, and how do you unearth both the internal and the external of your creative path? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So today's episode, we're talking about Finding your creative path. How do you find your creative path? And we're going to look at it through the lens of an analogy of digging for gold. We're all going to become the old prospector looking out there. We believe there's gold in them hills and them hills are you. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to dig deep and we're going to think, how do we find these things in us? These supernatural nuggets of gold that uh, are going to take us to different levels that are going to manifest manifest in really fantastic ways out there in the market. And so today we're going to talk about the process of unearthing that creative gold in you. And uh, each step is going to take its lead from 
the old prospector from the old gold digger. Uh, so let's jump in. Okay, so the first thing, number one, the first thing I think you need to do to find your creative path, and this is going to sound a little bit hokey, it's going to get a little bit uh, silly here at the beginning, um, but I actually genuinely believe that it's not just a weird, silly, uh, spirit kind of esoteric thing. I think this is genuinely the only place that you can start, and it's the place that you have to stay in the entire time that you're out there trying to figure this creative path out. And uh, what is it? I, I think that it's belief. You have to believe that there is a creative path, that there is a thing that you should be doing, that you have real, true value on the inside, and that that value is in demand somewhere in the universe. And I know that some of you are going to have this knee-jerk reaction to ideas like, the first thing you got to do is believe. Like, I get it, right? I, I understand that that can sound super hokey, but I want to dive deeper into this idea and why it's incredibly important and that actually the more you can kind of muster up this belief, the more likely you're going to see bigger results. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, and it's the most important part it's actually where this episode um, kind of fully came to me was this idea. And, uh, you know, have you ever like gone onto your phone and uh, to do something and the next thing you know, you've, you've gone on to Instagram and Facebook and the Periscope and all these different things only to, only to turn off your phone and think, wait a second, what did I... I thought I opened my phone for a reason and you can't remember it. Or you go to the grocery store and uh, you know, all right, I got to get three things at the grocery store, go in, da-da-da-da-da, get two of them, and then it's just like gone. Like that thing that you knew, there, you knew there was something. You just cannot for the life of you remember. It's that feeling, that, that deep suspicion like I know that there's something but I just don't know what it is. And it doesn't matter how hard you rack your brain, you cannot figure out what that thing is that you forgot. And for as long as I remember, honestly, even back to when I was a kid, I had this sense that there was this thing that I was supposed to be doing, that there was this, um, it was almost like a voice, even from an early age, that said that there was a significant thing that I was supposed to do with my life. That, and I don't think it's the typical hipster, millennial, I'm a special little snowflake that's going to go out there and, you know, uh, change the world or, or, you know, not this like ego-driven thing, but more just this deep-seated thing that just felt like, man, I'm supposed to do something significant, something meaningful, like life uh, is given to to do something of worth, of note. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, on TV. It doesn't have to be saving a nation. It can literally be the tiniest small thing, but that thing is something that only you can do, and that's kind of the significance of it. And that for you, that it'll feel like you're fulfilling the thing, that you're doing something. And I, and I get, look, I get it. I get that I'm talking in these very like esoteric kind of weird big picture ways, this language. But honestly, that's just kind of how it felt to me. And, and this suspicion uh, was just, you know, was just always there. Like, man, I don't know what it is, but I think that there's just something um, that, that is lurking, something that is waiting, something that I need to go find. Um, and it was like, I was sure that I'd known it before, but I don't know it now. And it, I heard recently, uh, Joanna Newsom on Mark Marin talk about learning a song is sometimes like remembering a song. 
like remembering a song that doesn't exist and that it would come to her in like a first just like the melody like the tune without the the words and then piece by piece she would get words and and then she would get extra parts and like the background parts and and it would just kind of come to her in reverse and honestly that's what my creative path has really felt like you know i don't want to get you know i don't believe that uh my path is is some giant um thing that is going to change the world per se but I do feel like it's important to me and it's important that I that I'm true to it even if it's not some giant uh calling. And uh the way when I when I've stepped out and and continually searched for it, I feel like it has been revealed to me the further I go along. And recently, I got back from this workshop and uh you know, it it had just gone really, really well. Like it, it was one of my favorite experiences. And when I when I was getting out of the car after a long drive home, uh, I had this feeling hit me that said, you know, five years ago, you had that suspicion that there was these things that you were supposed to be doing, and you had no idea what it was going to look like. And you had these vague notions of like things that were little tiny breadcrumbs leading you to this workshop, leading you to this type of work, leading you to the podcast, leading you to public speaking. And, and it was so vague. It was such a fuzzy, foggy notion five years ago. And it would have been so easy to just ignore it. It would have been so easy to be like, yeah, that's so... That's so uh, so vague and so far-fetched. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to follow that breadcrumb. And it would have been so easy for me to just deny it. It would have been so easy to just say, well, I don't know. That just looks like some, some vague path. But I think the interesting thing about, like, finding your artistic voice, doing your true creative work, is that it's supposed to be a path that you cannot see down because no one else has walked it yet. And I think for so many people, this is why it's so much easier to just copy someone else's path. But I can guarantee you that if you do that, you will not do the work that is truly exhilarating. And you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I had that notion. And it was this thing that's like, how can you be so sure that there's this song out there that you've never heard. How can you how can you really bank uh, this all of this weight on something that you don't know exists, something you've never experienced? And uh, I remember like five or six years ago, I kept hearing this uh, that U two song <laughs> all over. Like I just kept, it kept hitting me. Like I would just randomly uh, hear this song of I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And, and I hated it. It felt like a plague because I just had this sense that there was this thing that I was out there looking for that I hadn't experienced and, and, I, and I hadn't found it. And, I, and it wasn't because of lack of trying. It was just that I was on the journey. And there was this piece of me, the doubting side of me was like, will I ever really find it? Is there ever, is there really anything that I'm going to find that's truly on another level, like more than what I'm experiencing right now? And, uh, you know, I was doing art and I was doing illustration and, um, you know, I think I've recently over the past couple years found different levels that are beyond compare to what I was experiencing five years ago when I was, when I just had that vague notion, when I just thought, I think that there's something there. And when I was getting out of the car after that workshop, I just had this really strong feeling in me that said, I'm not going to play it small on that feeling anymore. Because just a little bit of faith into whatever that notion was brought me here. And if that little amount of betting on that notion brought me here, this place that is, you know, that I'm loving, that I, that I can't even believe is real in a lot of ways, if, that, if just that small amount of betting on that brought me here, 
what would it look like if I just went all in and I said, look, I, I've followed the breadcrumbs. They've led me somewhere really interesting. I'm going full pace now. I'm going to go all in. And that's kind of what I'm encouraging you to do today because I think if you have, not, if you have yet to experience what it's like to tap into those deeper layers of like what you're really capable of, the kind of like talent and skills that are in you, that are needed in the world, that, that when, when you really tap into that thing that you can do, that no one else can do, and that it just has this almost supernatural ease to it, there is nothing like it. And I really believe, you know, the reason I believe that everyone has this is because I, I, the people that I see that break into this and that go into those deeper layers, those more euphoric experiences of it, those people are the people that have been dedicated to finding it for the longest amount of time. And it's the people that, that ignore that voice that don't seem to experience it. And I think the only thing that can bring you into that is listening to people that are already there which I'm not, I feel like I'm just tasting some of the first fruits of it. But even in that first session, I just want to say, or that, or that first experience of this, I just want to look back and say, look, that little thing in you that says, I think there's something there. Believe it. There is something there. Even if you've never heard that song, you can just hear that faint melody in the distance. And, you, and there's this part of you that says, look, how can you know of a song that you've never heard? I don't know. I don't know. And I, and I realized that it sounds all a bit crazy, but I just wanted to start off this episode by saying that I had this feeling in me five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. <laughs> I could just keep counting. 10 years ago, my whole life, I had this vague notion that there was this, this thing, this something pulling me towards what I'm supposed to be doing, the creative work that I'm supposed to give myself to. And it was a vague notion. And as I got closer, it became less blurry. And, and recently, as I'm doing the podcast, as I was doing that Creative Mornings talk, it, I could just feel uh, that thing coming clearer than I've ever seen it before. And, it, and it's been some of the most exhilarating moments of my life. And so as I'm kind of dedicating myself to go further, to, to, to push into it and, and, and bet bigger on these things. I just want to encourage you before we get into the practical, like, here's how I think you actually uh, get some answers. This is how you actually make some progress. Before we jump into the practical stuff, I just want to start with the big picture stuff and really encourage you to take this seriously. So like I said, the first step is belief. You know, there's a book I've talked about a few times on here called uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It was uh, one of the first, I think, major business books. And a lot of books after that have been really influenced by it. And it's really fantastic. A lot of it just has to do with the mindset of success and, and how you kind of gear your mind um, to to realizing the things that you want to accomplish. And it's really practical and it's really good. Uh, and one of the stories in there is about three feet from gold. And the idea is that this, it's a true story of a guy who, who, who figured out that this certain land had an abundant amount of gold in it. And he rents all the, the tools and, and all the kit to dig down. And, and he had this like, his measurements were just a little bit off. And they dug and they dug and they dug. And at some point, they just thought, you know what? I must have been mistaken. Like at some point, they gave into their doubt. They couldn't find it. And they let up. And for some reason, there was another guy who was uh, not a gold digger, someone just in proximity that put together and realized that this person had just 
come off with the wrong, uh, the wrong um, calculations and took it upon themselves to go into that uh, digging site and dig just a little bit more. And just three feet deeper was the treasure. Just three feet deeper was an abundance of gold. It was a, uh, a uh, he'd struck it completely madly rich. And that story is about not giving up right when you're on the cusp of something fantastic. And so that's why I think it's so important that you don't lose heart even when it's really hard. And one of the things that I came away from Icon feeling was, um, I, I, you know, it wasn't disappointment. It wasn't discouragement. It was more just a realization that all of these people, all of my, you know, illustration and design heroes, all of my, my friends in the field, and then all of the listeners that, you know, Everyone is experiencing some kind of struggle trying to balance business and art. And, uh, you know, we all try to make it as uh, look good as possible. Um, you know, put, put a brave face forward and, and, and put our best foot forward and um, dress for the job we want, not the job we have, right? But everybody is facing some kind of difficulty because, you know, our society isn't exactly set up for creatives to succeed. And I just got this sense that it was just a real uh, struggle and a battle. And uh, that, that, you know, there was part of it that was a little bit disheartening, but there was another part of it that just kind of fueled my fire for the creative pep talk and, uh, and fueled my fire for this episode. And so before I move on to step two, I just want to give you another push of encouragement uh, not to give up three feet from gold. Okay. So number two, after believing that there are go- there's some gold in them hills, number two is consult the experts. If you're, if you're looking out and trying to mine some gold, there's two people that you need to consult. Uh, to um, to consult, you need to consult the gold experts, people that know about how do you actually dig up this gold. How do you? How does that process look? And the other one is the geography experts. Like they need you need to know. Uh, you need to get in touch with the people that have a deep understanding of that particular geography. And. Uh, Let's start with the gold experts, people that just know about gold digging. Uh, I don't mean, you know, trying to marry rich. I mean, uh, people that know how to unearth these things. And so that's the first thing that I want to tell you to do practically is connect with people in real life, on the internet, and then through books and podcasts and talks who seem to be at the heart of their creative path, the people that seem to be creating on another level. And I, and for me, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, the more I thought about this, the more obvious it was which people seem to be really creating on a different plane than anyone else. And uh, I started noticing it in my life. And it wasn't just creative people. It was people in business and all kinds of different fields. But I kept kind of you know, sorting through this metric to the best of my ability, like who seems to be at the heart of their path? Who seems to be just like really not just surviving, but thriving on a different level? And and, and trying to spend as much time with those people and working through these questions and these struggles that I was going through with them, with their advice. Um, You know, I feel like just getting uh, one-on-one time with mentors of people that just seem right at the smack dab middle of their path, right in that place where their talent and skills are met by a giant demand in the world. And I, and I think that there's this inflection point that happens there and you, can, and you can see it in others. And so how can you find the people in your life that are in that place and spend time with them, ask questions, ask them how did they work that out? 
and you're not looking for people that won the lottery. I do feel like for whatever reason, there are people that are creating in that plane. There are people that are hitting that inflection point that got there by accident. And, uh, you know, I think that that's like asking financial advice from someone who hit the lottery. And so you're not looking for those people. You actually want to look for those people that struggled through it, that had to struggle and, and strive to figure out uh, these answers and that at some point they really hit that that sweet spot. And so those are the people that you're going to go look to. So you're going to have those people in your life. Then you're going to know those people online. You're going to know those creative heroes. And I think just reading what they have to say, going and like studying their interviews. You know, The Great Discontent is a uh, great spot for creative interviews. And there was a season in my life a few years back where I never missed an interview. And no offense to you guys if you're podcast listeners, uh, (laughs) great discontent writers. I'm just not uh, in that same season where I'm trying to consume the uh, the experiences of other people's paths at this moment. I might go back there another time, but right now, um, that's just not the season that I'm in. But there was a season when I was just consuming this stuff over and over and over, listening to interviews with people in that place, reading the interviews. And, and really what I was doing, I was trying to develop like a pattern and a framework and like connect the dots between different lives of like, what are the principles? What are the breadcrumbs? What are the signs that you're looking for? And and honestly, the deeper I dove, the more of a sense of an internal compass that I got. Like I, I kept getting these tools for, oh, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. This is the kind of thing I'm looking for. And so that's another thing you can do is like dive into those creative heroes, go study their lives, read the biographies, and you'll start getting all of these tools for recognizing when things are getting close to the creative gold. Now, the third thing you can do is uh, in these in the category of these gold experts um, is go read the books, connect with the professionals that help people figure this out for a living. Um, you know, you're listening to the creative pep talk right now. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. I don't know if I'm uh, technically a, an expert on the topic just yet, but this is, you know, a big part of what this show is about is developing the tools, the principles, the values, the the frameworks for discovering how to find that creativity that you have that's really needed in the world. And so you're, I guess you're already doing part of this right now, but um, you can also go out there into the world and find the books. Um, there's a guy named Dan Miller. He, he wrote a book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. That's a good book about finding that sweet spot. Um, I'm reading a book right now called The One uh, by Jay Papasan and Gary Keller. And that's about finding the one thing that you need to do next to push the ball forward, to push the needle forward. It's about finding what's the next right domino to hit that's going to create a chain reaction in your career. And uh, it's been really great. I'm about halfway through that one. I'm really loving it. Go check that book out. So that's the third part of that. Now, the next thing on number two that you need to be doing is finding those geography Experts. You don't need just the people that uh, know about how to mine gold. You need to you need to know the locals. You need to know who are the people that are uniquely uh, knowledgeable about this particular geography that you're trying to mine. And what is this particular geography? This geography is you. You're the geography. You're the land in which we're trying to mine this gold. And so. So who are the experts on you? That's the question. Who are the people that know you better than anyone else? I think that um, if you're going to be self-aware enough to truly understand when you're doing something supernatural with your creativity, you're going to have to be deeply connected to people that feel totally safe being extremely honest with you. And for me personally... No one plays that role better than my wife. And then also my dad has done a lot of that. My brother 
and uh, a few of my really, really close friends that I've kind of been walking on this journey with for a long time. And those people, you know, have, I, I have um, tirelessly uh, <laughs> just begged them to give me feedback on the work that I'm doing. And uh, I think nobody has made a bigger impact on me uh, than, than my wife, Sophie. Uh, and I've said this before that everybody needs a, an art wife. You need an uh, art spouse to just be a mirror in your life. You know, before you go out uh, to a party, to a social event, your spouse is that person that can look at you and say, you've got something on your face or that shirt's ridiculous. And I think there's just something about having that in your creativity that, that is so necessary. And it helps if those people really kind of know what they're talking about in your particular subject. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important to have uh, mentors uh, that are in places that you want to be. And my dad is like that. My dad is someone who is just so hitting that inflection point, that place where that uniqueness of his DNA and experience is just right in the center of where it needs to be in the world and in it, in, uh, or in demand. And uh, he's been so instrumental to me in pointing out where I was really mistaken about myself, where I was really missing key information. And uh, I think this is so important that you find those people that know you really well, that are invested in your creativity, that will look at your portfolio, look at your album, uh, and even maybe listen to your album, <laughs> not just look at it, um, but uh, and take it in and, and give you true investment of their time and energy uh, and really know, you know, and, and also being aware of like when you create something, when are the times when people come forward after you've made something and say, man, that really hit me or that thing made me cry or, you know, what were the times in your life when it felt like it was on a new level and just being aware of that and being in touch with that. So that's number two, consult the experts, the experts about unearthing this creative gold and the experts on you and being in touch with that um, throughout the path. Okay, so we had number one, believe that there is some gold to unearth in the first place. Number two, consult the experts. And after that, you're going to have a hypothesis. You're going to have some inklings, some breadcrumbs that say, I think that this creative gold is in this area, in this market, in this niche, in this industry. You're going to start coming up with some ideas of where this stuff might actually be, right? Now, after that stage, the next step is digging. Now, now I don't mean go headlong, commit to uh, you know a school and a major and a and uh, and and dive and put all your chips down and do the big dig. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm saying in a systematic way, you you take that knowledge that you have, that thing that says I think it's over there, and you're gonna just do. Uh, what they what they call little bets in the startup world, they call it the MVP. You're gonna do the minimal viable product. You're gonna create something, something small. It might just start with, I think it's over there in this field. I'm gonna do some sketchbook work in there. I'm gonna do some sketchbook writing. I'm gonna do some blog posts in this area. If you're a writer, you're just gonna do some tiny little dipping your toes in. Now. You don't want to decide too much on this. Like if you have this internal inkling and you have all these, uh, this really big hypothesis and you dip your toe in, you don't really get anything back. I'm not saying you should give up at that stage, but I'm saying that you should take little steps. Like when I started this podcast, you know, I didn't just go out and buy uh, all the podcasting equipment and, and, and a studio, rent a studio and, and, you know, hire a producer and blah, 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 blah. I didn't do any of that. I did the exact opposite. 
Okay, so I'd done a talk that had given me reason to believe um, based on the response, based on how I felt, based on uh, you know my history, that, that made me think that this type of endeavor might be the right direction. And here's what I did in response to that. I started recording podcast episodes on my phone, like literally just talking into the voice recorder on my iPhone. And the first, I don't know, 10 episodes of this podcast were recorded like that. And that was me just dipping in my toe. That was me just creating a minimal viable product, just getting something out there so I can start collecting data. And it's very much like a scientific process. And as you start getting more data and you're analyzing it, you can then dip a bigger toe in. You can buy a microphone, right? You can, you can make them a little bit longer. You can make them a little bit more invested. You can share them with more people. But the idea is that you take these hypotheses and you hypothesize. I don't, <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, sometimes I'm just completely stupid. I swear. Like I, I'm sure that there are plenty of times where, you know, uh, <laughs> knowledge just escapes me in the middle of these recordings. But anyway, let's put that aside. The third thing you need to do is dig, is take that, that hunch, that belief, that that breadcrumb and dive in a little bit deeper. It might look like doing a little bit of uh, practice, a little bit of sketchbook stuff that just to try it out, see how it, see how it feels. Then it might look like, all right, I'll just write a whole song in that direction. And you put that out in their world and you get a little bit of response. Now, you can't let it completely determine, it can't all be about the feedback you're getting. It also has to be about how does it feel? Does it, did it feel right? Because when I did the podcast, you know, I, I put it out there, I started it and uh, got some feedback from people that I really trusted. And, and can, so I continued, kept going, got some better feedback. So the, the quality of the feedback was good and it felt really good to make it. But, you know, 30 episodes in, my audience was still really small. Now, the people that were listening were being extremely enthusiastic about it. And that was more important than the quantity of people. And it actually took me, you know, over a year to really hit those numbers that I'm looking at now. Um, and then even longer to get kind of where I have been in the past two or three months. Um, and so you can't just dip your toe in and, and make all your final decisions. You actually have to kind of do uh, work in concentric circles and, and constantly be iterating but I think you got to think about it like this design process or this scientific process where you have a guess. I think it's over there. You, you do a little experiment, kind of evaluate how that looked, and then do a little bit bigger of a bet. And you might just tweak things a little bit based on that feedback and, about, and based on that experience. Uh, and, and so that's the next thing. Now, I think you could, it, it can look like sketchbook work then a commitment to uh, you know, an actual finished piece of work. And then that can look like a commitment to a project. And then that can look like uh, committing to something that you're going to actually go out there and try to sell or something that you're going to try to get a job with. And so it can actually work uh, in those circles into bigger and bigger commitments, bigger and bigger bets as you start developing a clearer sense of that direction. Uh, and then, and then once you've gone through that full process, I think it's really important to kind of test and analyze how that all went down. And we're going to talk about that next. So just to push the analogy forward, that might look like doing a little sample dig, taking these samples to the lab, seeing if there's any traces of the right uh, minerals in the, in the soil to uh, see if there's likely to be gold in this area. Uh, and, and once you do that and you've actually dug and you've got all the dirt, then it comes time to pan for the gold to test what you got on your hands here. And that is what we're gonna talk about next. So 
once you've dug a bit, you've, uh, you know, created some work, created a project, after a while, it's time to put that, that sample into the old pan and start sifting it and seeing what comes out, seeing what kind of gold you've got on your hands. Now, let me just talk in real practical terms. A few years back, I had an inkling that maybe I wanted to do some book cover illustration. And so I came up with this idea that I would create a series of screen prints uh, based on uh, books from the, uh, what do you call it? From the, uh, oh man, my mind just went totally blank. I bet you're really enjoying this section of the podcast. Let's just see how long I can go without remembering. Oh, okay. I got it. Came to me. Uh, (laughs) I'll just leave this in for a little Easter egg uh, part of the episode. Um, (laughs) I I decided to make screen screen prints based on books, classic books from the public domain, meaning that they don't have any copyright left on them so you can actually sell these things. So I just thought, you know what, I'll do um, a handful of books book cover design um, for these public domain titles and, and, and create screen prints so I actually get some real value out of these things. And hopefully, if that's kind of working, if that's kind of the right direction, if I'm closer to hitting that inflection point, then I'll start getting some book cover jobs in the old inbox. And so here's how that actually looked. Uh, I, st- I started... Uh, creating these designs. I did a Wizard of Oz one. I did a Alice in Wonderland one. I did a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And uh, the first one I had a really good time with. Uh, and it was really great. And I, I read the book. And I really liked the process. And I liked how it turned out. And I felt like there was a pretty good response to that first one. Now, the second one was Moby Dick, and I read a lot about the book. I read through some summaries. Now, listen, don't judge me here, all right? Uh, Like, I I didn't read the actual book to design this one. Now, before you go on your high horse and judge me, uh, (laughs) let me tell you this. Like, that was based on the fact that I've heard uh, through many accounts that there are lots of book designers and illustrators out there that actually don't always have the opportunity to read the entire book before designing the jacket that sometimes they have to go off of a nudge from the editor and blah, blah, blah. I was fine, right? Like I, <laughs> I'm convincing myself, right? Um, but I designed one for Moby Dick. I just couldn't read it, but I liked the idea. I liked all the themes. I liked the, uh, the symbolism, you know, I was feeling it, you know? And, uh, created that design throughout in the world, got some good response, but I also talked to some people about it and, and I realized after doing a few of these that I wasn't passionate about fiction. That I wasn't, that, you know, I didn't want to read the books. I didn't want to even, um, this wasn't the type of material that I wanted to do. It wasn't stuff that was making me excited and therefore it wasn't translating into my best work, or at least work that I wanted to give myself over a long period of time. Now, those things weren't total failures. Like that, I still like those pieces of work. Um, they've turned into some different interesting opportunities. But as I was testing and analyzing and panning this gold, I was just realizing that the results were not phenomenal. It wasn't the inflection point that I was looking for. And so it doesn't mean that Um, You know, not every decent opportunity or decent dig uh, (laughs) means that that's the direction that you're trying to go. I think what you're trying to find is kind of a supernatural result, like something where there's this real meeting point of your internal and the external, this thing that hits a deeper level, a bigger reward. And so for that project, um, you know, I I thought I might go up to like 10. I ended up stopping at like four book covers because it just wasn't hitting that point that I was looking for after a decent commitment and analysis. Now, let's compare that to the podcast. I just told you that, you know, that I'd done some recordings on my phone and uh, I, I put those things out there into the world 
amped, ramped up my uh, process a little bit, started making longer episodes, better recorded, more time spent. And, uh, you know, although the numbers were kind of steady and small for a long time, I kept getting uh, these, these emails and these, and these responses that in terms of quality were levels that I'd never experienced with any creative work. And so sometimes it's not, you know, you're not testing just for the analytics or the metrics of how many people are enjoying it. Um, it takes a long time for something to start to catch on. So you can't only really go off that. Sometimes you have to look at the quality of the response. And for the podcast, I was just getting emails of people saying really dramatic things, really uh, things that were really hitting them strong. And then I would do these this public speaking that was the same kind of direction as the podcast. And that too would just get this response that I've never had in my life. It was just a totally different thing. And then not to mention that as I was recording these podcasts, and then when I was going out there and doing this public speaking, the experience on my end, the process, uh, and this, you know, I just want to pause real quick and say, this is my, the whole thesis of this whole podcast is this internal versus external. The internal being the art, the external being the business, the internal being your talent and your experience of the process, and the external being the response of other people. And in the whole podcast, everything that I do is about trying to find that that intersection of those two things. Because I believe when you do that, that's when you're right at the center of your path and that's where it gets really interesting. And so the way that I grade it is people having a great response, demand for this thing that you're doing. And the thing that you're doing, you love the process of. Not necessarily love the reward, but the actual doing of the creative work lights you on fire. That that's the thing you're looking for. And so not only was I getting a response that was different and deeper than anything I'd ever done, the process of doing it wasn't like trudging through a book that I didn't want to read. It was like life-giving. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced. And, and, and actually, you know, recently when I did that Creative Mornings, now I'm not saying this like, I'm not saying that that, that talk was otherworldly for anyone else. Now, I know a lot of people have came up to me after the talk and said really nice things. Um, but what I am saying is it was otherworldly for me. When I do this work, this work that's the closest work, you know, I love doing illustration and I'm really excited about the work that I've been doing over the past, you know, six months or year. Um, I feel like I'm making tons of progress, still having breakthroughs, loving it. But the the podcast and the speaking and the writing and the thinking on these topics, this strategy uh, work has been um, a whole different level that I've never experienced. And so that's one of the key metrics is when you're doing this work, this process, what was it like for you? And not the reward. I think so often we want to be driven by that external metric, that thing that um, and I don't mean the connection with other people. I mean that that uh, award that you could get, the winning the Caldecott, winning this or that award, winning Young Guns, whatever you want to call it, um, winning a Grammy. Like we always, you know, if you're if you're driven by that, but you hate the creative process of doing the work, you're not on the right path. And uh, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about panning this gold. You know, after you've made commitment, after you've done the work, looking at what you've got on your hands and saying, is this worthy of committing more time of my life to give myself to this direction? And if it's not, go back and find a different hypothesis and come up with a different digging plan and, and start that all over with that new information. And the thing is, I don't remember where I've heard this, but uh, it's really true. It's you know, if you've gone down a path and you've figured out that it's the wrong path, not all is lost. Like you, that work of crossing off suspicions and guesses of where you might go next, like that's a big part of the journey. And so if you've found yourself in a place where you're like, well, this market or that particular little niche isn't the right path, don't be disheartened because that is a big 
heart of the process and you're just one step closer to finding the work that you actually should be doing. I just want to add to this point uh, this idea that Seth Godin has that I really like and he said that if you have a really good idea, if you think you have something on your hands, tell 10 friends. If they don't tell anybody else about it, it's not a good idea. Like, and not all of them have to tell everybody else, but if you have a, if you have a tremendous idea, like, or you have a, something really fantastic, some creative work that is, is truly remarkable, and you tell 10 people, some of those people will remark on it. They will share it with other people. And, you know, there were certain projects that I'd done in the past that just felt like I was rolling a boulder up a hill. It was like I was excited about it or I was trying to, you know, muster some excitement about the work. And, you know, it didn't matter who I told. It only went as far as I brought it. But then there were things like the podcast where it was like I would share it with a few friends and they would tell me that they were sharing it with their students. They, would, they were sharing it with their friends. And that's how you know you've got something on your hands. And, and I think that one of the things that I see happen is there's kind of two different people. There's, there's people that won't commit long enough and then there are people that will just commit too long. Like they, they, they just won't let go of a direction that they should have let go of a long time ago. And I think you can be a serial uh, digger and be digging all the time and constantly be packing up and, and whatever. I do think there are times to commit, try, and try to learn over the long haul, but don't just keep digging when you're just not getting any signs, when nobody's sharing it, nobody's excited about it. Like, you know, commit for a period of time that you think, all right, if I keep doing this thing for six months, I'll have enough data to tell me whether I love doing this and whether anybody else is connecting with me on this. Um, and try to find that sweet spot of that true grit, doing it long enough to actually get enough data to make some decisions and, uh, and, long, and not so long that you keep digging way past when you should have moved on to a different spot. So today, what I really want you to take away from this episode is to keep going, not necessarily to keep going on that path that you're already on, not necessarily buckling down on something that maybe you need to give up, but to keep going and believing that even though you've never heard this song, you've never heard what it sounds like to be right in the center of doing the work that only you can do and, 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 and seeing it actually manifest out there in the world. You've never experienced that kind of euphoria and you're starting to doubt whether it's even possible. Today, kind of what I want to encourage you on is to not stop digging. And I think for me personally, I kind of get chills when I think back to uh, an early talk that I'd done, like a talk that I'd done like a year out of school. You know, in high school, I used to be able to like pass oral book reports for books that I hadn't read because I was just goofy and I would make the teacher laugh and they would like it. And, you know, I would read enough cliff notes to kind of just get just enough information in there. And sometimes I actually kind of got good grades on those books. Uh, that I hadn't even read. And so anyway, I had this kind of uh, confidence in my ability to present and, and speak and, and all that good stuff. But about one year out of college, maybe two years, I, I was invited to go do a, a short talk uh, in a downtown area. And uh, I kind of knew that it was supposed to not be like a super formal thing. It was going to be casual and kind of silly. But, uh, you know, they, they were really enthusiastic. They wanted me to come talk about 
some of the work I'd been doing. And I was really excited because I thought, you know, I'd had some experience just generally throughout my life that said that this might be an area where I might thrive. And uh, so I went and dug into this area. I said yes. And I planned my talk and I was really excited. And I went to the event and I gave my talk. And uh, it was a complete and utter disaster. It was a roaring ruckus of a room. Not one person seemed to be listening. They were being loud and obnoxious as I methodically went through my PowerPoint presentation. And it was one of the most excruciating and humiliating uh, social experiences that I'd ever had. And I just thought, well, I guess I'm not really cut out for this. I guess I am not as, you know, I, I guess there was nothing really there. And I look back on that thing and I see that I had stopped and I'd given up three feet from gold, three feet from the stuff that has been the most life-affirming and exciting and powerful creative work that I've ever done in my life. And so when I see that and I see this possibility, you know, a few years back I was invited to speak on something again that ultimately led to the work that I'm doing now. And as I weighed up whether I was really up for doing that, whether I was up for doing another dig, I remembered that talk. And even further back, I remember, uh, I think it must have been second grade. <laughs> I was supposed to go up in front of the school and just like say one line. Some, it was some kind of science presentation, but it was in front of the whole school and everybody was going to say one piece of it. And we're going to go down the line. And when it got to me, I couldn't talk. My, my voice actually froze up. I couldn't say anything. They had to pass me. And that too had been this like scar of trying to speak in front of people. You know, like I said, I had a lot of good experiences, but these two, you know, those two things haunted me as I was asked to do another presentation. And I was really genuinely uh, ready to say no. Now, I, I dug deep, thought through whether I felt like it was a thing I was willing to revisit, and I thought, I got to give it one more shot. And it was in that process, and it was in that presentation that I felt this thing truly shift, and I'm not exaggerating. There was this experience of the process of giving it. It was this really small talk, small situation, but I just felt this fire while doing it. And, and the response of some of the people was this really quality connection with, with some audience members. And when I left that experience, I felt just this, oh man, something just changed. I just, I just discovered some, some little fleck of gold that I'd never seen before. This thing that I'd been digging and digging and digging for over the years, I just got the hint that maybe it might really exist. And as I stand here about two years later, with the, the, the best creative season of my life, I just turn back to anyone else still in that struggle, uh, which I still count myself in, and I say, even if you've never felt like you've really even touched uh, creative work that, that, that just lights you up in that deeper way, but you have a sense that it's still out there, I just really encourage you to keep digging. Okay, guys, that wraps up another episode. I hope it is encouraging and clarifying and all kinds of good stuff for you and your creative work. Uh, you know, 
meeting all you guys at Icon. First, I want to thank Icon for bringing me out to uh, cover the event, cover the conference with all kinds of good pep talk support. Uh, had a really, really good time. And, you know, meeting so many of you who are working on this and struggling through it and listening to the podcast. And uh, first, I just want to say thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot. It was just like extremely encouraging to talk to you and hang out with you and eat with you and um, hear your stories. It just, man, it just fuels me up to do another season of the podcast to keep pushing and keep encouraging you guys. Um, and, you know, we're all in this together. I have my own struggles. You know, I, I, I've yet to meet a creative person that has it easy. Um, you know, there's so many battles, financial battles, uh, just creative battles, all these different things that are just not easy to make happen. So let's stick at it together. Thank you guys so much. I got to thank Illustration Age. They're our syndicate. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Got to thank Yoni Wolf and his band Y for our theme music at the beginning and the end. Thanks to Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for the other tunes. You can find their stuff at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. We also had some other tunes by J-Ro um, from jrodesign.com. He used to be an art director at Creative – no, 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 not Creative – Cartoon Network. You may have heard of that. Um, he, I think he's a freelancer now. He does really fantastic work. You can go check that out. He gave me a few tunes to use on the podcast. You can listen to those at J-Ro Music, um, soundcloud.com slash jrodesign. Uh, go check that out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. You know, I do really encourage you guys to believe that there's some supernatural, phenomenal, and really important creative work for you to be doing. And uh, believe enough to dig deep and figure out what it is. And uh, you know what you got to do to uh, get through all that. You got to stay pepped up. 